I would like to invite Linda up, if I may. Um, thanks. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, yeah, I, I, Linda um, and I were chatting, and um, she was sharing with me some stuff that she's involved with and wants to share with you, and I was thinking, actually, I'd rather bring it as part of this message, um, and, um, and then uh, we'll... I'll speak out of it. And um, Jackie Baker, if you're um, uh, on standby as well, I'll um, ask you up in a minute as well, if that's all right. Um, Linda, do you want to share with us what's going on? Okay. Hello. Nice to see you all. Um, yeah. I set up a company about six years ago now, five years ago, and it was um, called The Word Bookshop and Cafe. And Martin, lovely Martin, is one of the trustees and directors, and myself and my husband Kevin. And I'm not going to go into the details of all of that, but God has given me money. Quite amazing. Um, yeah, a real blessing. I wasn't expecting it, but the Lord literally poured into what I wanted to do. And, um, yeah, a lot of prayer has gone into it, an awful lot of prayer, believe you me. But I got to the point where I thought COVID hit, didn't get it, didn't happen. What do you do? Do you just give up? Do you just say, no, Lord, this isn't of you? Um, I'll give up. And I thought that's what I was going to do. And consequently, through Kevin, God said no you're not going to give up and you're not going to close the company. So I thought, right, okay then, so what do I do? And Pete knows this journey a bit because I've chatted with Pete over a couple of years now, isn't it? And uh, he knows the journey that I've been on with this. And um, last May, I felt really strongly that the Lord was saying to me, freely you have received, freely give. And he kept bringing this to my mind. I wrote it down. I sent it to Martin. And it didn't... I sort of banked it. I sort of put it on the back burner and thought... And then COVID came along and all that rubbish. And um, it didn't go away, though. Freely you have received. Freely give. I wrote it down, as I say, and gave it to Martin. And then the Lord sort of laid it on my heart about the, in the Bible where it talks about the talents... And how those three men, they did different things with the money that they'd been given, didn't they? Um, and we've got this money sitting in the bank. And it's not making any interest, as most of you know. Money in the bank does not make interest now. And it's just sitting there. And I feel very strongly now that the Lord is leading me to the point where he's saying, give it away. Give it freely away. And as Pete would know, and as I've been told, that is a pretty rubbish business plan. <laughs> Who on earth is going to back a business plan where you are literally giving away stuff and you're not even out to make a profit? So, right, so I got to the point where I thought, right, Lord, you're telling me to use this money to give the gospel away for free and not charge for it. So, the Lord laid it on my heart really, really strongly, and it is wonderful this morning how it really has tied in with it beautifully, because 
in John 4, it's all about the woman at Samaria and Jesus at the well. And the thing is, Jesus got there first. When he was at the well, when he, was, he got to the well, he was tired. He'd been on a journey with his disciples. And he got to the well and he sat down because he was tired. And he got there first. And then the lady came along. And he was waiting for her. And he knew that she was going to come along. And it, it's just a case of she had an empty water pot. Her water pot was totally empty. And this really resonated with me. And it made me think how I want to go into the high street and give away the gospel for free because when I go into the high street with these gospels and with people who want to pray, someone is going to come along who's got an empty water pot. They're going to come along and they will have empty water pots. I just love that word. I don't know why, but I do. But the thing is, in our high street, right at this moment, there are people walking around who are empty. Or they've got water pots, but they're filled up with the world. They're filled up with pain. They're filled up with hurt. They're filled up with sin. They're filled up with despair. And they're filled up with fear. And I believe that Jesus wants to be in that high street waiting for someone to come along with an empty water pot that we can then fill up. So what I did was I decided, I decided to put this into action. I thought it's no good me thinking about this. I've got this money. I've got to use it. I've got to do something with it. And so... What I've decided to do, I've booked the high street for three dates. 24th of September, the, 9th, the 12th of October, and the 19th of November. I'm going into the high street. I'm going in there. I'm, I've booked it with the Chelsea City Centre Management team. I'm setting up a gazebo and a pop-up. Um, like mark a stall type effect, but a gazebo. And I'm purchasing 800 Gospels. I have the money for all of... Well, I don't. This is God's money. Let make, let's make that clear. But the money is there, right? So I'm going to spend it. And I'm going to spend it on giving away the Gospel for free. Now, there's more to this than that, though. Because at the end of the day, I don't want to stand up there and just try and shove a gospel into someone's hand. That is not going to work. But what will happen, I will be there, but also others, and I'll mention their names in a minute, we're going to actively engage with the shoppers, and we are going to offer them prayer, if they want it, and then to send them away with a love gift of the gospel. But not just the gospel, Imagine someone chatting to a mum who's got children. Um, I want to give them a, a gospel, but also a selection of children's books as well. There will be resources. There will be um, 
tailored resources. So I've also, I don't know for those of you who were in the town on Friday after Easter with the Tough Talk guys, they were giving away books and I know Christian got one, didn't he, Jackie? Um, I've ordered some of those as well, quite a few actually. <laughs> and um, I'm ordering all this stuff. It's not cheap, but I'm ordering it all with believing in my heart that when we're out there, notice the we, that when we're out there, or I'm out there, I'm going to have someone to give it to. And it's not just, as I say, shoving a gospel into their hands and leaving it at that. There has to be follow-up. There has to be information that they can take away and then a number they can call or a website or, a, or an email address, a person they can contact so there's follow-up, so they don't just go into the ether. So I'm putting all that in place. In fact, a lot of it is in place. But what I want to try and impress upon you today is the thing that's been on my mind about this is when you said about we was going, you was going to change the name to the river, that to me is a picture of something that flows. It's not stagnant. It flows. And consequently, we can flow. I know this church has been wonderful. and I've only been a part of it for a short time. But we can flow outwards. This is about being out there as well as being in here. It's about the gathering together and the sending out. It's about the opportunities of being able to reach those that don't know the Lord and have those empty water pots or those water pots that are filled up with the world and not with him. And my heart is, and I did say this to the Lord. I said, Lord, look, if it's just me stood out there, I'm going to do it. I'm not an evangelist. I'll be the first one to say that. I'm not an evangelist, but I am a witness and I can be a witness, and you can be a witness too. So, so I'm going to go out there now just to encourage you. I have everything in place. All the dates are booked. The insurance is in place. I've got the resources on order. And I've also got people who really want to work with me on this. One is Raj. I know lots of you know Raj. We love Raj. Oh, boy, she's in South Africa at the moment doing wonderful things. She's going to be a part of it. Also, some of you might know Nigel, Nigel Belitho. He's put his name to it as well. So I've got two evangelists who are going to work with me on this. But I'm going to need more than that. I'm going to need more than that. So my heart is that you hear what I'm saying today and that you pray about it. And you ask the Lord, is this something that I can be involved in, that I want to be involved in or not? Totally up to you. No pressure at all. But the thing is, I want you to, the thing that the Lord laid on my heart many years ago when I thought about the word, and the word name came from Kevin, by the way. He said, that's what I've got to call it. Access and encounter. We all want people to have access to the Lord. You know, I know they can walk through that door. They have access and other churches, and we want people to walk through that door. But sometimes we've got to be in a place, like the Lord was at that well, he was waiting for that lady to come along. And so if we're out there in that high street, just for those three dates, from 10 in the morning to 3 in the afternoon, just for those three dates, waiting, with him there with us, then someone can come along with that empty water pot. So access 
and encounter. We want to give the access in this, but we also want there to be an encounter. It's not just, it's not just doing this and then nothing comes of it. it. Wants people to know, to walk away with their water pots filled with him, filled with him. So the thing is, when I set up the company, it was called the Word Christian Bookshop and Cafe. Now, I believe one day that will be in our high street. I really do. When, I don't know. But I do believe it will be there. But in the meantime, because of what I want to do on these three dates, it's called the Word on the Street. And that's where I'm going to be. The Word on the Street. I just love that strap line. I just do. And so, he's going to be there. The Lord is going to be there. Jesus is going to be there. And he's going to be waiting for that man, that woman, that teenager, whatever, who've got empty water pots. And we're going to be there. So I'll finish by saying this to the lady who was at the well. If you knew the gift of God and who it is who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And she said, sir, you've no bucket and the well is deep. So where then do you get this living water? And Jesus answered her and said, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never be thirsty again. But the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain springing up to eternal life. I want these people to come with their empty water pots and I want us to be there to offer to pray, to send them away with a gift, to send them away with the gospel and other material as well and information about how they can have a closer walk with the Lord and get to know us who know him. So I leave that with you. It flows so beautifully from what Transforming Essex is doing we had the Harvest Now training evangelism. You've got the Transforming Essex thing that's happening on the 9th of July. And then, um, and then with the launch of the river at the beginning of September. And then a week later on the 24th. And none of this was planned. It has just happened. It just seems to flow beautifully. So my heart is, I hope you'll join me. This isn't an oasis thing. Can I say that? Is that all right? This is a God thing. And I want other people from other churches to be there. And they will be because I've got people already who are interested. So this is not an oasis thing. It's not a church thing. It's a God thing. And it's to bring people to know him. It is. And that's at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And that their water pots will be filled with him. Amen. Wonderful. So um, thank you, Linda. That's awesome. Uh, and uh, I, I wanted Linda to share that because I think the, what I would say, Linda, is it's not just an Oasis thing. Um, I love the idea that we're doing things in collaboration. And um, uh, Jackie, do you just want to come up? Um, I wonder if I can 
you know, tag team my way through the whole morning without actually preaching a word. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, Jackie, do you want to just string the word that you shared the other day? Yeah, before I do, I'm just going to bring another word that I did share with Peter, but it really ties in with what Linda's just said. And it, I just think it was probably meant for that rather than anything else. Um, I was chatting with a friend the other day, and um, we were talking about how God changes our lives basically and how sometimes we get in a bit of a tangled mess and you have like this tangled ball of wool and it was like you suddenly can see these threads and you haven't been able to find the end but then the thread goes is put into another ball but it's just a brown sort of ball of wool skein of wool and then I saw from that skein of wool coming out of it silver gold and blue I'm wearing a bit of that today. Um, but it was like you're saying about empty water pots. It's like people are in a mess. They're in a muddle. They get so far, um, and then they need the help. And then God touches their lives, and they get woven into the river. Not our river, but God's river. And the picture that I'd had the other night when we were meeting together was of nets and Nets get broken and they need mending. Things have happened in Oasis and things have, you know, perhaps been a bit frayed at the edges. But it's like God is bringing people in to strengthen the nets so that we're ready to go out on streets, uh, food bank, praying, whatever God has called you to do. It's like we're, we've got new people coming in. They've got strengths and giftings that are coming into the you know, into this place. But the idea is not that we keep it here. It's that the nets get mended, the nets get strengthened, we draw from each other, and we pick up those pieces that are broken out there because God is in us. And we help them to mend, we help them to flow in the river of God, but we need the nets and we need everybody. So. Wonderful, thank you. Um, I wanted Jackie to bring that because I wanted to affirm... Um, actually, Linda, I wanted to affirm you in what you're doing, uh, that this is not just about you hearing from God and going out on your own as a, you know, w without that sense of family and team. And I know that um, uh, I, I just saw that when Jackie shared about the nets being mended. Actually, there are numbers of you in this room, and I'm not going to single you all out, and there's people that will probably listen to this who aren't in the room um, right now. And you've come to this church relatively recently, and, uh, and I feel like that word is for you, you're part of this sense of actually we're coming to help mend these nets, that there is a fresh purpose, you're part of the nets. This is, um, uh, yeah, so I just wanted to affirm you in that um, with what you're doing and therefore what you're doing is what we're doing because this is about us being family and, uh, and therefore us wanting to partner with you and Kevin uh, in this, which is... Um, Really, really exciting. And as you say, it fits in really well with lots of other things that are going on. Um, so with that in mind, I wanted to um, bring you something of a, a bit of a mindset shift for us. Um, so uh, if you were around back a few years ago, I was thinking um, uh, the kind of... Back when I was in my, what, teenage years, um, there was this sense of catching the wave of the spirit, if I can put it that way. There was a kind of language around that sort of thing of, of seeing things that God was doing. And then if you imagine the, the image of a surfer, 
um, and uh, the, the surfer sees the, this wave, they get positioned ready for this wave and then they paddle across and then they, they then get onto that wave and then they ride that wave and then they go back out and then they look for the next wave. Do you, do you get that image? And, um, but there's a shift in our thinking from living like that to actually recognising that we actually carry the presence of God. So it says in John 7, 38, that whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. You see, what's happening, what's happening with Linda, what's happening with Transforming Essex, what's happening with Andrew Cannon, the evangelism school, what's happening here in terms of our water level rising is there's a shift in our thinking from waiting to get over there to see God do something that you know we can chase after to realizing that God is wanting to do stuff through us already that we already carry this sense of his presence with us that we can be wave makers where we are does that make sense and um, so uh, I wanted to encourage you with that um, I found um, uh, mentioned a little while ago that we had um, some years back which part of the journey with this name change thing. We had a, an, uh, a team come from Eastgate in Kent led by a lady called Karen Wellspring and she felt her name was prophetic to um, us as a church at the time. So this was back in about 2017. And uh, so much show, so that she painted or she produced a little picture um, for us as a church which was in our office um, and this is literally that what she felt God say to her prophetically was that she was um, with the team that was there they were going to help to unblock the wellspring that has been this church and that the water level would start to rise and uh, so that was uh, you know obviously a few years back but what's going on is the water levels rising and I just wanted to speak this word out again this is, you know, in fact, Linda just said it. This is not a stagnant place. This is a place where it is about water rising and flowing and flowing out. And um, so uh, we are all a part of that. Um, wonderful. Um, okay, well, I'm going to change gears ever so slightly. Uh, and if you've got a Bible and you want to turn to John 6... We're just going to look at a really short little passage and pull out some bits of this, which is going to help us to explain a little bit about what's happening with um, the river and what we're involved with. Um, I really loved that time of worship, by the way. Um, thank you. Um, so good. I, I never, ever get tired of worshipping in this place with you all. Um, it's such a beautiful thing, and I love our unashamed um, desire for intimacy. Um, it's what we need, isn't it? Um, do you know this is about intimacy with the Holy Spirit yet? Have you clocked that? Um, that it's he who is leading us, that it's he who's causing the water level to rise. It's not about us and our willpower and doing this by ourselves, but it is about us bringing ourselves, isn't it? Um, we are bringing ourselves to this. So, um, so uh, this is um, verse 5. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread to feed these people? To, uh, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test them, and he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, 
It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one of these to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them, filled the 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over um, by those who'd eaten. Okay, so this is, as you've picked up, the story of the feeding of the 5,000, which um, I know you'll have heard before, and Alan was very excited. Where's Alan? Is he around? Um, Alan was very excited earlier on when I was um, talking to him that I was going to share this passage because he's just got back from um, Israel, he and Diane, and, um, and reckons that he's been to the place where this actually took place uh, on this hillside. So um, uh, that's rather cool, isn't it? Um, anyway... Um, and uh, I wanted to say this, right, so um, I remember being a young boy, uh, it's not that long ago, um, it's quite a while ago, but not that long ago, and um, one of the things I do remember is I was quite precious about my lunch, <laughs> and, um, and here we have a story about a young boy who's prepared to give his lunch away, like 5,000 people is a lot of people, and this actually gives us the indication that it was 5,000 men. Well, if each one of them came with somebody, uh, you know, spouse, child, whatever, we're talking more than 10,000 people, aren't we? So you've got an enormous crowd of people. And um, you see, the miracle didn't start with Jesus. If you think about it, it started with this little boy. <laughs> He came with what he had to bring. And um, that's what we're talking about as a, as a group, as a church. Um, we live in a city of however many thousands of people. And we can look at us in this little room and we can think, I'm just one little boy with five loaves and two fish. How's that going to work? Do you ever feel like that? I do. <laughs> and I'm the guy with the microphone at the front going, yeah, let's do this thing. That would be great. Um, and um, the, you see, the difference is that heaven's maths is not like earth's maths. Um, Paul's not here this morning. Um, Paul teaches maths at kegs. And, um, you know, he'd be able to quickly do the maths on how much food... This isn't going to go very far. And um, some of the disciples, they did the maths as well, didn't they? And uh, they're saying, oh man, just to even like, buy the food to feed this lot would cost more than we, we can earn. This is a big deal. And, um, you know, it's not, a, it's not a problem for us to ask, how on earth are we going to do it? That, that's not a problem. The problem is when we ask the wrong person. The point of what we're doing is we ask the right person. How are we going to do this? And it stops us coming with our good ideas. 
and it keeps us in a place of intimacy. Keeps up in keeps us in a place of encountering Jesus. It keeps us in a place with a value for His presence. You see, this church, the river, is going to be marked by a number of things, and one of them is a value for God's presence. And if I'd have had more time and inclination, I would have made slides to go with this, um, but I didn't have either quite to do that. Um, inclination's a bit strong. I did have the inclination just not necessarily quite the moment to make the slides. But um, his presence, and I know I've actually put slides up before on this, this stuff before, a value for his presence is really, really key. I do love our worship times. There is such a, um, a, a richness, isn't there? And it's not by accident. Um, and there is already, you know, we've been worshipping for, for a long time together and um, there's a reason why God's put worship in our hearts because it reminds us of his presence. It's not about singing the songs. Like, brilliant as that. And there's some amazing new songs, aren't there, coming out? Um, and um, really anointed stuff. But it's not about that. These are just tools. They're tools to lead us into an encounter with Jesus. And so um, uh, that's what happened here on this hillside. And, um, but Jesus wanted everybody to be a part of this miracle. You know, how can he get everyone's attention? Actually, he could multiply food. Everyone relates to food. It's 5 to 12. I bet there's some tummies in here already that are rumbling, thinking about lunch. And, um, and one of the other things that's amazing about this little passage is it, it, there's just a little detail where it just says um, uh, there was some, uh, does it say there was, yeah, there was, there was plenty of grass. <laughs> they're not going to eat the grass. They're not sheep in a literal sense, there's, but there's plenty of space. And you know, there is space when you're with Jesus for everybody. And we've got an opportunity to lead many, 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 many people into a space where they get to encounter the miracle of life transformation. Um, you see, this is about family. Jesus also wanted to involve each of his disciples in this. And uh, afterwards, they collect up 12 basketfuls. Why was there 12 basketfuls? Well, the only, I don't know, it's conjecture, isn't it? But there were 12 disciples. And maybe Jesus just thought it would be fun to walk back down the hill with each disciple carrying more food in the scraps, the leftovers, than the boy bought with his lunch. Each one individually had even more than that little boy had. You know, I love the idea that maybe the little boy's helping <laughs> one of the disciples carrying this thing down, back down the hill. And then there's this testimony that's going on, isn't there? Because then, well, I don't know what they did with the food, but I'm guessing by the time it was time to eat again, you know, <laughs> people are saying, where did this food come from? Disciples are getting home in the evenings. Hi, darling, I'm home. <laughs> That's a lot of fish. Um, that's a lot of bread. Jesus wants to draw us in to be family. We want to be marked out as a group of people who are family. Who do this family thing really, really well. Um, and uh, I think 
Um, actually, I'll mention that bit in a minute. Um, let's just mention this other bit. Um, the other bit that I pulled out about this is um, we want to be more intentional as a church at what we're calling missional discipleship. You see, Jesus understood that each of these disciples were coming and he wasn't just wanting to feed them the food. And actually the 5,000, he's not just wanting to feed them the food. Because it goes on to the end of the passage, doesn't it? End of the chapter, you read through the chapter. and I mean, this is an amazing chapter because we come out of here into walking on water which is astonishing. And then the next day, Jesus is actually saying, hey, you know that thing we did yesterday and you've all come back because you want me to feed you again? Well, actually, the real bread of life is me. The one who actually you come to, you'll never hunger again. You'll never thirst again once you've encountered the love that I have for you, the eternity that I have for you, the future that I have for you. It's this amazing discipleship lesson in one chapter of Scripture. There is so much to pull out from it. But one of the things that's key, and I know I've said this already, is they each, uh, the, the boy came and gave his lunch away, and it's crucial that we think in terms of what does it look like for us to give what we've got away, to give ourselves to this. Um, and uh, there was, um, those, those of you who were on the evangelism school a few weeks ago, Robbie Dawkins, who was on that, told a story about his own mother, who when she was a little girl, so we've talked about a little boy, there's an image of a little girl, and she was in a, um, uh, a, a church meeting at some point, and they were having an, uh, an offering, they were raising money to um, equip um, this church and missionaries for mission. And, um, and there was some money going into this, this, um, this basket, and this little girl, she's sitting there and she's thinking, what can I give? And so she stood up and she walked across to where the basket was and she stood in it. And she said, I'm giving myself. And it started something in her and in that place where she then gave herself for the rest of her life to the mission of God. And it was really fun. Just, when I did that, I just really felt the Holy Spirit. And I, I feel like at the end of this, I want us to stand up in response and if you want to, if you feel like you want to give yourself a fresh, I feel like I want to imagine a basket in the middle and we just step into it. Because this is costly. Doing this, this church, leading, leading a church is hard. Can I just be honest with you? Um, I know I make it look really easy. I don't really. Um, uh, if I don't think I've ever made it look easy. Um, but this is hard. And we live in an age where there's a lot of influences that want to try and snuff the light out. Um, but you can't snuff out Jesus, can you? You can't snuff out the light. Um, and, uh, but it is costly. And it's, but it's so worth it. Um, and uh, so I want us to consider what, that we would give ourselves again to this. Um, we're not just relaunching a church for the fun of it. It's not just like, let's do a name change because, you know, that would be fun. Um, businesses do that from time to time. Um, that's not what we're talking about. 
we're talking about, we're, we're wanting to give ourselves in a brand new way. We're wanting to shift in our minds from just getting involved with, with stuff when we see something happen to God. What about here? What about now? What about these people? What about the 10,000 out there, the 100,000 out there? What if we could, we could create a wave? What if God could rise up within us? What if there could be stuff that happens amongst us as a community that would cause revival in this place? Um, it says in Luke 6, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You know, the point is we can't outgive God. Those of you who have been believers for some time will know that you can't outgive God, both in terms of finance, but also in terms of our lives. Like, how blessed are we? Let me say it again. How blessed are we? Amazingly blessed. And that love that's been poured into our hearts is not going to stop. It's going to keep pouring into our hearts. The, the amount that we live with, the revelation of how much love we have, is entirely determined by us, not him. Can I say that again? The revelation that we live with of the love of God that's been poured into our hearts is only determined by us and not him. Because it's unconditional. And so we're being led to learn to live with a greater revelation of the love of God, both for ourselves and the world out there. And so if you've been hanging back for any reason, happy to live with less, happy to live with the thimbleful, the shot glass version of God's love being poured into your hearts, I want to ask you to trade it in. Trade it in for a barrel. <laughs> trade it in for a barrel so that there's more than enough. Um, Okay, practically, uh, let me just give you some practical stuff because I'm aware we're, we're going to run out of time and I, we did want to mention some practical things. Um, so, Ruth's already mentioned it. We have got a, um, a Bursting the Banks weekend happening in September where we are going to launch under the new name of the river. And so uh, we're doing a Saturday and a Sunday. Um, I want to encourage as many of us as possible to get involved Essentially, it's a less than a 24-hour period, so it's, don't see it as it taking up your whole weekend. See it as this is going to be an amazing 24-hour moment where we are going to commission this thing. And it's not even 24 hours because you are going to get to sleep in between. Um, <laughs> So what we're going to do is, on the Saturday, what we'd love to do is um, about um, 3 o'clock here, we're going to do a, um, a commissioning celebration of a thing. Where um, We've done it that way rather than the Sunday morning because we want to invite friends from other churches to come and commission us. Literally come and stand with us. So we've got Andy and Theresa Merrick are coming down for that weekend. And so uh, they're going to be sharing with us um, through the weekend. Um, but um, they're going to help with that. I know we're going to have friends from other places coming in. We're sending out invites at the moment. Um, Andy and Raj are going to be here. Um, so that's great. Um, and, uh, you know, and it's quite unique because I'm inviting some other local church leaders that I'm friends with. And, um, and I feel like that's important as well. Because we're good, at, we're good at partnering and running with churches that look and smell and be a bit more like us. Um, but actually, there's some local churches that might look a little bit different. 
who are still just as passionate about Jesus, but they're just in a slightly different tradition or um, setting or stream or whatever. And I love the idea that actually they can help us too. And, and this is a, a picture, really, of we're, we're all in this together. Um, so, uh, so that's going to happen on three... Now, obviously, it's going to take us coming because this is an us being commissioned. This isn't about the leadership being commissioned. This is about us, a church family, being commissioned. So I want us to bring our children along as well. This is why we're doing it in the middle of the day as a daytime thing so that we can be all commissioned for this, Okay. So that's the 17th, and then we thought what would be fun as well is, you know how we've, we've been at church conferences over the years, and they typically, they're designed for the people that are in the church, aren't they? So we have guest people coming in, and we have great time together. And we thought what, what would be different would be, what if right off the bat, we made the river about where the river's going rather than about where it starts? And so what if on a Saturday night, we actually threw the doors open and we had a um, salvation, healing, revival type meeting in here? And we shove out flyers in the weeks leading up to it. And, and we speak to people on the streets. So maybe we, we get out on the streets beforehand and we share and we, you know, and we put it, actually, we start to use social media a little bit more maybe than we are at the minute. Um, and uh, we communicate this message over the coming months of this is what's going on. And, and what if actually this led to a healing? What if this led to people becoming Christians? What if this actually challenged the way we think about these sorts of events so that we started to think, yeah, this is actually about the, those that don't yet know him? So we thought on the Saturday night, we'd love to do that. So Raj is going to help with part of that um, because I know that she'll bring her welly to it, which is what we need. Um, so that's happening. So that's that week. And then the Sunday morning, um, we will be together like this. And um, oh, have I mentioned barbecue? Oh, oh, right. Okay. So we'll do the Saturday afternoon thing. And then after we've done that, we're then going to light up the barbecue, which we've got in the shed out the back. And then we will um, have dinner together. Um, and uh, and, and that will be great. And then we will come back in here and do crazy thing from there. Yeah. Um, and then Sunday morning, we'll be here for our first ever Sunday morning as part of the river. And, um, and I know, um, so Rob and Lizzie want to come uh, for that, the weekend, but they also said, oh, we're going to free up for the Sunday morning so we can actually come and be with you on the Sunday morning. We don't want to miss it, and, um, which is really sweet, isn't it? Um, leaders from other churches getting time out of their own churches, so that's cool. Um, so there we go. That's that bit. Let me give you some other detail as well. I then, and we've had an invitation or an offer um, to have another evangelist come in with us. Um, so th- I just think there's a, something's going on with this when I'm just saying yes to things that seem right and seem timely. So there was uh, a friend that we've made who was also on the evangelism school, a guy called Mark Saunders, um, who some of you may have heard of. If not, don't worry about it. But another evangelist, friend of Andrew, Andrew Cannon's, he's going to come in November. So we're um, 12th, 13th of November. Um, he's going to be, so principally he's going to be here on the Sunday morning. But then we thought, well, maybe there's an opportunity on the Saturday night for us to do another one of these revivally healing-y kind of shindings. So we're going to do that as well. So that's the 12th 
um, in, uh, of November, and then the 13th is in the morning. So please put that in your, in your diaries. Um, that would be great. Um, and then another date for your diary. This is a 2023 one, but we've got him in now. Um, so please put this date in your diary, the 28th and 29th of Jan. Um, we've got Paul Manwaring coming um, to us. So many of you will know Paul Manwaring. Um, he's part of Bethel's senior leadership team, um, and uh, he's become a real friend to us. He's now, him and his wife moved back to London, and um, so, uh, so he's helping with this whole Transforming Essex vision and um, helping to put strategy around that. Um, we've shown various video clips of Paul over the, um, through the pandemic and stuff. Um, but Paul is just such a good communicator and will help us as we lay our foundations um, for this thing, the river. Is that okay? There's a kind of a buzz, isn't there, around, around this, uh, which is very, very exciting. Um, okay, I've got a couple of minutes. Can I just challenge you? with another mindset shift. Is that all right? Because this is, life's going to be different from how Oasis was to life in the river. Yes? Okay, so another mindset shift. Um, I wonder if you've got a circle of friends. Yeah, anyone have a circle of friends? Okay, I want to challenge that phrase. Because I don't think Jesus had a circle of friends. I think what Jesus did was gather a group of people together on a mission. You see, if you're part of, if, you're, if you've got a circle of friends, the temptation is that this feels really nice. Me and my friends, we all get on really well. I love that guy, I love that guy, he's great. And actually, you don't need anything else. But it does say in 2 Corinthians 5 that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Now, we're all familiar with that verse, but what about the next one? All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, I have news for you that we are all on a mission. We've been given our orders, haven't we? And so it's not wrong to have a circle of friends. But if they're not yet believers, it's a mission field. And if they are believers, then actually you're shoulder to shoulder because you are foot, sho- foot soldiers. Uh, we are foot soldiers, aren't we, for Jesus? And so this thing of missional discipleship, I just want to finish with this because what we want to do is challenge the way, how, how intentional we are at discipleship in this church. In fact, how intentional we are at helping friends and new people become part of the family. You see, if you're new to this church and you've only been once or twice, then um, it's great and we're really, really thrilled that you're here. Now, the key thing is, what we've, and churches often are not great at, is how to then help those people become a part of so they feel like we are actually woven into the net that this church is to go put out for the catch. And so we simply want to get better at this. And this isn't to condemn us at all, but this is to say that actually it's really, really straightforward. What you do is you and a friend, you go up to a new person and you go, Hi, do you want to be friends? Like, it, it, it is that simple. 
and then and then what happens is that the three of you become friends and you start to have a heart for one another and then you figure out well, where where are, where are each of us at in terms of our faith and how we're journeying with Jesus and what can we share with one another what can we impart to one another and so back in 2006 um, we came up with this and we called it triplets very creative I know um, and the numbers aren't actually that important it can be three it can be four it can be five whatever but the point is little clusters of people becoming friends sharpening one another which I think is also a biblical principle um, and actually caring for one another you see, we're missing a trick at the moment. Um, I'm going to, oh man, Leo's not back in yet. Leo's coming in in a minute um, with the kids because I think there's maybe Father's Day surprise. But, um, but the world puts um, romantic and sexual um, relationship on a pedestal, on a pinnacle. Like, you know, you have all sorts of other friendships and other relationships, but, but this is the one. This is the most important one. And then the Bible says something else. Like the Bible does say, yeah, yeah, that's, that's really important. That's great. Um, uh, sex between one man, one woman in marriage, brilliant. It reveals something of, of, of who Jesus is and his love for the church and all of that. And there's, we get that. But then he also says, but greater love has no one than this. That he would lay down his life for his friends. The value that God puts on our relational unity. Do you know, Jesus prayed that we would have the same level of intimate relationship that he has with the Father. Well, are we even slightly scratching the surface? Like, it's, it, it is important that we are appropriate in our relationships, isn't it? And Christians have typically... Oh, Leo's in the kitchen waiting to come through. Christians have typically wanted to, to take that seriously. And we absolutely should. We should safeguard marriages and those covenant relationships and do all that we can to help one another to protect them. But there's way more in terms of, you know, the Bible's not worried about talking about greeting each other with a holy kiss. It suggests something that's slightly more up close than just a fist bump and a how's your week. Which is what we've reduced it down to. So older, people, older guys loving younger guys, older women loving younger women. The Bible's really clear. Like, give yourselves to one another. Pour it out. I love being mothered. I know that might sound weird to you, but I really do. It's brilliant. Appropriate relationships with older women does me so much good because I'm a son and I need it. And uncles and nieces and nephews and the whole smorgasbord of relationships. We are brothers and sisters, aren't we? And brothers and sisters, it says outdo one another in showing brotherly love. Like, literally, what if we had a competition? <laughs> what if we actually had a competition on how to love one another? 